Hey, this is Eric Olivares, pastor at Axios Church in Lakeland, Florida, and this is our podcast. Axios' mission is to point people to Jesus so they can find worth and purpose in God. We hope this message encouraged you and uplifts you throughout your week. Enjoy the message. We're going to have uh, an awesome time that starts next week here at, at, at Axios Church. We're going to have a fun year, and then after Christmas, you know what it is. It is that new year, right? New year, new me, sis. New year, new me. Period. This is where I start my this is where I start my fitness journey every year, right, Travis? This is where it happens. And then, you know, about mid-January, we're eating, <laughs> we're eating again, all right? But before you get that new year, new me, and that Christmas presents, there's Thanksgiving. There's Thanksgiving. And um this year, I'm excited about Thanksgiving. Every year, we have a tradition at my house. We go play football, and then we eat at my mom's, which now my mom lives with us, so now people come to my house, and I got to get it ready. Um, but uh, we eat, we play football, but this year, we are old, okay? We decided we are retiring. We're, we're throwing in the towel. Every year, we get hurt, all right? We get hurt, and we're like, this year, we are going the least um, contact sport as possible. We're playing golf this year, okay? We have turned a page in our life. So, um, but traditions and, you know, the biggest thing about Thanksgiving is the food. Ooh, the food. What are some things that you guys, you know, think right now? That, that okay, calm down. She, <laughs> she wants something neat, for real. Somebody get this girl something neat. All right. Food, food. We all, we all try. You know, we try. We're like, I'm going to do better this year. But then that pie shows up, okay? And you, every year, all year, you, you don't, you, you know, probably don't eat desserts like that. You know, you know, those people are like, I don't eat like that. But in Thanksgiving, like, you're a changed person, all right? You're a changed person because it doesn't matter if I'm full. <laughs> we having some dessert. The pumpkin pie, the apple pie with some ice cream. Food. Food. We're going to talk about today. It's called Hunger. Hunger. And who, there's two types of people when they're hungry. There are people that get quiet, and then there are people that get very angry real quick, okay? Can, all the angry people, raise their hand, okay? I'm there with you, all right? All you quiet people, you're holy, you're blessed, blah, 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 blah all of it, okay? But me, and then I realized real quick that I have a daughter that is like me. It's not all. It's very bad. When she's hungry and I'm hungry, Jess and Elijah better watch out. Okay? Because you, you've seen the, the like, uh, I think it's the Avengers. I'm not into comic book, but I, the Hulk, he's a part of, like, the Avengers series, right? All right. Okay. Um, but, like, when the Hulk is, like, you know, don't get me angry kind of situation, you know, he turns green and gets all bulky. That's how I am. You better take me to PDQ real quick. Because those waffle fries are, I'm not going to try to be cool. All right, they're good. All right? Banging. Because when you're hungry, you, you're in a different state of mind. You're a different state of mind. See, we need to be hungry in our life. I'm not talking about snacking or feasting, but hungry for more of God. Hungry for more of God. Here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, it says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 
See, righteousness is the quality or state of morally correct or justifiable. I can be considered, it can be considered rightness or uprightness. In our culture, righteousness isn't normal. It, righteousness isn't, matter of fact, we can say that in a way we live in a culture that it doesn't have morals at times. It's all about what I feel. It's all about what I can do. It, the morals sometimes are just thrown out the door. And, 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 but God has called us to live hungry for righteousness in his eyes. So how do we strive for upright living, justifiable living? How do we be hungry and thirst for righteousness in an unrighteous world? It's hard. Because let me tell you straight up, some of the things that the world, it might not satisfy, but it looks good for a minute. For a minute. It looks good for a minute. I'm not going to be one of those pastors be like, hey, it's not tempting out there. Because what the world offers satisfies for a minute but it doesn't last for a lifetime. See, that's where God says, hey, you need to strive. You need to be hungry to have some kind of pain to strive towards righteousness. Be thirsty and be hungry for righteousness in an unmoral world. Righteousness is an intentional pursuit to act, to talk, to represent, and to do what God's called us to do. Is past the talk is more of the action in our life. To strive to be hungry for righteousness. See, the Bible is not only for us to have these special quotes that we can just go by or to post to make sure that we're all religious. But the reality is this. The Bible is meant for us to soak it in and for it to change our life. Let me, we, we, we soak the Bible too much. We soak the Bible too much, Right? The Bible, that we, we need to soak it in, but it also needs to change our life. It, that's the difference. We, we, we have a society that we just, want, we just want to take it all in, but really doesn't need to affect what we're doing. Because when you affect what we're doing, you really affect my will. And when you affect my will, it's like I'm hungry and I really need to get a PDQ. I turn into the Hulk real quick. See, righteousness is saying, I read my word, but it changes my action. It changes my speech. It changes the direction of my life. There is a hunger pursuit, a right standings with God. It's not being perfect, but it's actively saying, I'm going to change on a constant basis. It says, blessed are those that hunger. This describes a profound hunger that is not satisfied by food or snack, but a longing enduring to be completely satisfied on this side of eternity. Because here's the reality. We're not going to be completely satisfied because we're not home yet. Our home is heaven. So God knew that there was going to be somewhat of a disconnect between home and our temporary home. And in the middle of that, God says, you need to hunger for what's up there, but you can't fully be satisfied until you are up there. So what we need to do is constant basis, be hungry for more of God, hungry for what he's doing in our life, to read our word, to, to sacrifice our flesh daily, to pick up our cross. Daily. It's a hunger until we are home. 
That doesn't mean that we don't need to not do what he tells us to do on the earth because we're so kingdom. Because here's the thing. Some people are so heavenly minded that they're earthly dumb. That's too real. That's too real. Because the reality is you can be so heavenly minded, but God says to be a disciple here on earth is to get people, snatch them out of hell into a heavenly realm, to get them to heaven. And the way you do that is to be different, is to speak differently. You cannot impact the world being like the world. Let me just shut that down for you right now. Because we, in, in, even in the, cult, in the culture of, our, of churches and everything, we are so we are so wanting to be so cool and relevant that we become just a secret-friendly church. Here's your three motivational speaking. Here's your three points to live the best life you can live. Sometimes you don't live the best life you can live. But what you can do is at the end of the day, you still have Jesus. At the end of the day, doesn't matter if I'm having a good day. Doesn't matter if I have a bad day. My hunger does not change. My hunger changes because I want more of who God is in my life. The passion is real just like a hunger is real. The passion is natural just like we're naturally hungry at times. The passion is intense just like your hunger and thirst can be as well. You notice real quick when you're dehydrated. When you're dehydrated, it's not time to pick up the Coke Zero again, okay? It's time to drink some water because you feel a little different. You feel a little weak. Let's take that into the spiritual realm. When you're, when you're starving for meat, which is his word, and you're, star- and you're thirsty, you live life dehydrated and weak. But God says for us to strive, to continue. Blessed are you, the ones that hunger. And thirst, it's an intentional thing you have to do. Hunger just doesn't happen in the spiritual realm. You have to be hungry. It's a passion that drives the force. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. We as Christians, we hunger for many things, power, authority, success, comfort, happiness. But are we hunger, have a hunger for righteousness? So here's the three things, or I, I, think it's, I think it's four things, that we need to be hungry for in an unsatisfied culture. Number one is this. We need to be hungry for his presence. We need to be hungry for his presence. See, worship, prayer, fasting aligns our heart to the heart of God, and in turn, it makes us hungry for righteousness. If you're not going to the source, if you're not in a prayer life, you're only going by your ability. Let me just say that again, because we have to understand that if we're not in constant communication, if we're not dying to ourselves daily, you're only doing it on your power. And what happens when you're weak? You fall. And I'm not saying to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect. But the reality is you have the power within you. And if you're not seeking his presence, you are not living a full life in Christ. And let me tell you this. His presence is not only an hour on Sunday. Sunday's the reboot. 
It's like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday, we're off. You know, like, we got football that day, okay? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. See, that's what's so, it's, it's hard in our life, in our culture, the way we live in, is we, we expect, we expect to just get my, get my, my moment of God's presence in a 30-minute section of worship on a Sunday. And that's not enough for you. Matter of fact, it shouldn't be enough for you. Because if you don't have a hunger for more, listen, I'm not saying to, to go hours and hours, but I'm saying, hey, are you taking the time to enter into his presence? Because it's so, it's a hunger that we need to desire in our life. Psalms chapter 16, verse 11 says, you make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy at the right hand, pleasures evermore. See, the Hebrew word for presence is panem, which translates into face, implying closeness and personal encounter with God. See, if there's not a closeness, here's the reality. God's never left. He's there with you. But are you meeting him there? Like, like <laughs> we, we have to understand that it's our part to enter in. It's our part to, what, what does that look like in a practical way? Instead of maybe, you know, not listening to that audio book or not listening to really music you're not supposed to be listening to. Something scared me back there. Um, instead of, like, not being productive with your spiritual soul, why don't you throw some worship music on the way to, on the way to work? Uh, I mean, just simple stuff. God, I'm going to give you these moments because moments turn to something powerful. There's been times where it wasn't in a church service. It was in my car where the presence of God came over me, and I had to even just stop and be like, hey, whoa, 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 where are I? What the, what's going on? Because his presence is so tangible, and it's for you as well. Are we making moments to be in his presence, in his presence Things are different. Hope is found. And, and you, you, you're, you're, when you are lost, you are found. Do we hunger more for his presence? Psalm chapter 51, verse 10, verse 12. I love this verse. You know, sometimes when I feel a little down, I, I go to this verse. It's the, it, David is really speaking in this moment right now. Psalm 51, 10 and 12 it says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. See, you got to understand that this verse, this is where David basically got caught with Bathsheba. He's like, oops, I did it again. All right. He got caught. And the prayer that he did, he's like, God, anything that I have, you can take it away. Take all the riches. Take all the things that you have blessed me with. But do not take away your presence. Do not take away your spirit. In the midst of him <coughs> having confession to God, the thing he said was, hey, God, um, you know, would you forgive me for my, my sins? No, those are good things. But what he said is, God, don't take your presence away from me. 
Don't take your Holy Spirit away from me because his presence matters in your life. David said, take it all, but not his, your presence. It's a hunger for more of his presence in your life. Number two, do we have a hunger for anointing in our life? For anointing in our life. See, you can live life without anointing, but anointing does a little bit more in your life on a daily basis. What is anointing? Let me, let me just say that. If, you, if you've been around church long enough, you heard this word anointing been thrown around. Maybe you heard it for that singer is anointed, that preacher is anointing. Of course, the idea of this is in religion circles, but it's also in the Old Testament as well. The, the, uh, the word anoint in the Greek means translate, is means to be consecrated, to be set apart, to be set apart. Are you anointed? Are you acting different? Are you being different? Are you, are you anointed? Are you have the Holy Spirit in you? David, life, he was anointed to be king, right? But at one season, he was a shepherd boy. And the reality is sometimes God graces us to be in the pasture, but really anoints us to be king. Let me say that again. Because sometimes you have to understand that you are, you have authority over the enemy. Sometimes we give the enemy too much credit. No, you have a choice. And the enemy comes and tries to whisper these lies, but the reality is you have the authority over him. And God has probably graced you for a season, but maybe a season needs to end, and maybe he has anointed you for another season. And we have to understand that the anointing matters in our life. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord was upon me because I anointed me, proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberties in the, to the captives and recover sight to the blind, to set liberty to the oppressed. So what are you anointed to do? What are you, as a, as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, what are you anointed to do? Number one, you're anointed to bring the good news. You're anointed to bring the good news. Your job is to open your mouth, say your testimony, and tell people about Jesus. You're anointed to do that. You have the, the anointing to do it. What's another thing you're anointed? You're anointed to proclaim the goodness of God. Has he been good to you? Do you have breath in your lungs right now? He's good. We are anointed to proclaim that to our, 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 our people, to our co-workers, it's time to proclaim his goodness because you're anointed. you're anointed to set free those who are captive. By your testimony, by God's word, by what God is doing in your life, and through his blood, you can tell people, hey, you, whatever you're dealing with now, you can have freedom from. It's our job to be anointed to do that. And uh, another thing is to help the needy. How can we be anointed? You can give a dollar to a homeless person, but when you're anointed, it's different. People know the difference in you because there's anointing flowing in your life. Just because you, uh, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I'm the most anointed one. Break the, the stigma of that. We are all called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And there's an anointing on your life. Sometimes there's a different kind of anointing on your life than it will be on my life. The thing is, when you're in his presence, he reveals his anointing in your life. It goes hand in hand. Number, number, number three, another thing that we need to hunger for is hunger for discipline. Woo! 
This one's good because we don't like this one. But the Bible clearly tells us that we need to have a hunger for discipline in our life. As we are striving for righteousness, we have to have a love for discipline. See, God loves us as we love our, uh, love our kids. And sometimes we got to discipline our kids as well. I don't know about you. Might be us. But our kids have been crazy these past couple weeks. I don't know because holiday season is coming. But there's a different kind of uh, not anointing on their life right now, okay? But as a father, I have to learn the right discipline to give. And that's what God does for us. He doesn't discipline us to diminish us. He doesn't discipline us to tell you that you're this horrible person. No, he disciplines for you to grow. See, if I don't discipline my child in the right way, I'm not going to make a good human being. <laughs> I'm not going to make a good adult. Because, good, you know, sometimes the reality is this. Hey, you have to train them the way they should go. See, that's what God does. Discipline always is needed for us to grow in the Lord. To grow in the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says, For the moment, for a for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields to peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who trained by it. These are one of these verses that God says, you know, just drop the mic. Like, just just leave. He's like, this is where exit, and you're like, oh gosh. He says, for a moment, he basically, whatever you're dealing with, whatever the discipline that you're dealing with, he knows it stinks. He's not like, boo, gotcha. No, it clearly says, for a moment, all discipline might seem painful and rather not pleasant. When I'm, when I'm getting disciplined, I'm not like, hey, this is a great day. Let's go for ice cream today. No, I'm like, man, this stinks. This stings. Because it makes me face me. And sometimes I don't want to face me. Talk to my wife. She's the one that checks me all the time. I get a, 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 big, a big head. She's like, hey, come down, brother. <laughs> come down to earth. But we need people in our life to help us in discipline. It's called accountability. If you can't receive accountability, you can't receive correction. And discipline aligns us back to God and gives us a hunger for God as well. The last one, Jacoby, I'm done. When we are hungry for discipline, when we're hungry for his anointing, when we're hungry for his presence, we become hungry for revival. Revival. This word is thrown all the time, you know? Like there's a revival in every city, you know, which is great. And we're all for that. But the true definition of revival is reviving something that's depleted. It's reviving something that is depleted. The definition is an act, an instance of reviving a state that needed to be revived. To renew attention to an interest or something. See, revival can be thrown around 
as a move of God, but if revival doesn't have anointing, if revival doesn't have discipline, if revival doesn't have his presence, it's only a show. We can strive to find revival in our life, a move of God, but truly in the Bible it says, before you find the move, you need to become the move. Every time in the Bible where there was something that changed, something that was revived, it always started with a person. It didn't start with a people group. How do I know? David, you are a man after my own heart. Paul, I need you to go preach the word. Noah, I have favor in your life. Out of all, you're the one. Build the, build, build the boat. Moses, set my people free. You know, Mary, you're the chosen one. Peter, on this rock, I build my church. Before there was a movement, there was always an individual revival. Before there was this, even before the church was born and birthed, we needed Jesus. So instead of looking for revival, be revival. We need a be revival. And the way we become revival is loving discipline. The way we become revival is seeking a hunger and a thirst for his presence. The way we seek revival is operating in a different kind of anointing that is past our understanding, past our abilities. We need revival to start in me first. You want a movement, become the movement. It always starts with a person. So the question I ask you today, are you hungry for revival? Are you hungry for revival? If you are, you need to be what you're hungry for. What does that do for us? It might shift our agenda a little bit. It might shift our major a little bit. It might shift our career path a little bit. It might shift a little bit of friendships a little bit. If you're not married and you're a college student or not a college student, it might shift relationships a little bit. Because true revival comes with a person willing to say, God, I will become revival. I want it to start with me. And then what, you know what revival does? It's contagious. It's contagious. Because you, you see somebody going cra crazy for Jesus, you're like, I want to be crazy too. I, I want what they have. They're living a life of freedom. They're living a life of, of worship. They're living a life of this. They're living, they're giving more than their ability. They're do, they're serving it. They're, 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 they're putting past their agenda. It's contagious. And that's when true revival happens. Because when somebody sees, hey, you got it. I want it. And I need to know that's where discipleship comes. How you do it, this is how I did it. I got hungry for God. I got hungry for his presence. I operated in an anointing that was past my ability. I went to his presence. I didn't go to opinions. I went to his word because his word is the thing that changes my life. Are you hungry for revival or are you just hungry for a rush of a sense of a spirit?
this is what happens at church world lingo, and I'm done, all right? We go, ooh, that church got revival. And we go, we lift our hands, and this is not bad, but just please just listen to me, we're fast. We get it, and then we get our spark, and on to the next. Ah, double spark. Then we go to the next. Oh, I, I don't need to go to church. I can go watch it online because that that, that person is, is, is preaching on this. Because what? Triple. To truly be satisfied is to strive for righteousness. And righteousness starts with you. It starts with you. I'm not saying, please don't hear me. You can watch what you need to watch. You can listen to who you need to, but you have to know that true change comes from this, accepting in my heart, willing to change me so then I can show others what true revival is. Are we hungry for what breaks God's heart? Are we hungry for the loss? Are we hungry for the, um, the hurting? Are we hungry for the oppressed? Are we hungry for the lonely, the outcast, the needy, the orphan, the widow? Are we hungry for the lost? Are we just wanting to come to church to get our three pump, pump, pumps and we're done? It, it's time, church, to live this thing out. No more playing games. We ain't playing games here at Axios Church. I'm sick and tired of just doing church. We're going to live what this says. And if it says, hey, to be right with God, to have righteousness in God, I can't be at the club on Thursday or Friday or Saturday. Guess what? I can't. If, if me striving for righteousness in God says I have to put that away, I can't drink this, I can't smoke this, I got to do it. If it says, hey, I, I have to deny, my, I have to put my computer away. I can't do what I, I have to, I can't be by myself. I have to put boundaries in my life. If I got to do it, I got to do it because I know that the righteousness needs to grow in me. I am hungry for his presence. I am hungry for anointing. I am hungry for a move of God. I am hungry for revival in my life. Are you hungry today? Are you hungry today? Is it more than a spark? Is it a lifestyle? Thank you again for joining us here at Axios. Hey, to hear more messages just like this, go ahead and subscribe to this channel. If you want more information about Axios, go to axioschurch.com. There you can get more information, give, and connect. Remember, we love you, and we're in this together. Thank you.